I love the part in the goodness of God song where he says, he is for us, he is for us, he is for us, he is with us. So I want to talk around those lines a little bit today, but the Lord had put a, one scripture on my, on my heart, but of course it wasn't connected, and then he gave me another one about being filled with the Spirit. And then um, Jimmy gave me this little booklet, you know, it was a devotional, and I read it, and it was all about the Holy Spirit. I go, why'd you give me this? Because I didn't tell him what I was going to be talking about. And he goes, it's your sermon for Sunday. <laughs> it was awesome. So it gave me much peace to, and I, to continue to go in that direction. Just wonderful how the Lord will do that, right? So let's see if I started on page one. Father, first we come before you, and we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you have a kingdom waiting for us, and, and your kingdom is here now for us to, to populate, Lord God, working with you, working with the Spirit of the living God. And we take that seriously, Lord, and we empty our hearts before you. We, we ask that we be pure before you. We, we would be perfect as you call us to be. Lord, you make it easy by the blood of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. I just pray that the Spirit of the living God will pierce our hearts and pierce our minds and remind us that he is the greatest gift we've ever received. It's not the gifts we're looking for. It's the person of Jesus Christ, the person of the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And so, Father, we just give you full reign. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your living word, your living word ignited with the flame of the Spirit. We will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. So, start. Paul writes to the church of Ephesus. Not, not talking about the Old Testament writing, but in the actual book of Ephesians. And he tells them, be filled with the Spirit. But before he does that, he speaks a little bit in Ephesians chapter 4 about what not to be filled with. I just want to touch on that for a second so that we can appreciate more to be filled with the Spirit. So in Ephesians 4.29, Paul tells them, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification to the need of the moment, so that it will grace those who hear. In the Amplified, it says, Do not let unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth. So most of the church today, hopefully, isn't going around with profanities, you know, on the, on the tips of their tongue. But we don't want to have worthless, empty words either coming out of our mouth, right? We want to be filled with his spirit. And when we're filled with our, the, his spirit, the words change. And then he continues in, in verse 30. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So our words should edify. They should be edifying. They should be encouraging. They should be full of hope, full of the testimony of Jesus Christ. If we are speaking the testimony of Jesus Christ, we're not just saying, like, oh, there was a Twilight Zone show where they just kept telling this one kid, Anthony, that's good, Anthony, and right, he was destroying the whole town. I'm not talking about that kind of edification. I'm talking about truth. I'm talking about words that edify the kingdom of God. So we need to have these words in our mouth, encouraging and full of hope, full of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Our words should be filled with thanksgiving for all that he has done for us. He's done so much for us, so much. Everyone in this room, there's no denying how much that he's done. Paul warns them 
to rid themselves of hatred, bitterness, and unwholesome words, and he gives them the answer, the antidote, and that is the answer is the spirit of the living God. That's the only way we can change our language and the patterns that we've been raised in and we're used to. It's the only way that we can change from, from anger to peace. The fruit of the spirit starts to come up out of us. He's given us the answer. The Holy Spirit, who is God himself, is our answer. In the NLT, Ephesians 5.15 says, so be careful how you live. I like that, just that one line alone. He says, so be careful how you live. And if we are mindful to just that, we will not walk in the things of the flesh, but we will walk in the spirit of the living God. He says, don't live like fools, but like those, and like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the verse 19 in the King James Version, it says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, like Tom mentioned this morning, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all the things that God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ has done. This is what the Father wants us to do. This is what he desires us to do, to be singing praises to his name. He gives a solution to worthless, empty words. Praising and giving thanks will always, thanks always, sorry. He gives solutions to worthy and empty words, praising and giving him thanks always. Ephesians 5.18 says, again, do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. It's wickedness, it's corruption, it's stupidity, the Amplified says. It's just outright stupid. But be filled with the Spirit. This is the Father's will. Be filled with be filled indicates that we can be filled with so many other things, right? Not just drunk with wine, not just drunk of the world, the distractions and greed also can grab hold of our lives. We can be filled with worry, insecurities, and fears, and we can be filled with ambition, bitterness, and anger, or following our own dreams. But Paul says it's the Holy Spirit that we need. He holds the answer, and he has the power to accomplish everything that we cannot achieve, so we should never really worry because he is always with us as we sang in that song. He's in us, he's around us, he goes before us, he's behind us, he's everywhere. He never leaves us. Be filled not with unwholesome words, not with empty words, but with the words of the Spirit, declaring truth, truth that Jesus is Lord of all, truth that he knows our name, truth that he is coming again, truth that he will reveal to his own his counsel and his might. Imagine that, that we have access to the Father 24 seven, to his power, to his counsel, to his ways, to his thoughts towards us. We have that access through the blood of the Lamb and by his Spirit. Truth that he has not left us as orphans and has also sent us another helper. Filled with his Spirit who points us and reminds us of his promises to us. He gives us faith, the faith that speaks truth. He's always good. He brings faith when we're weary. Jeremiah 20, verse 9 says this, And I said, I will not make mention of him anymore, nor speak anymore in his name when he was going through a hard time, remember? But then he says this, because you cannot get away from the Spirit of, the, of God. You can't get away from the Lord. And he was, we would have understood, because Jeremiah, why would anybody want to be a prophet after reading the book of Jeremiah, right? So he was very disheartened. He said, I'm just not going to speak anymore. I'm not going to say a word. But then he says, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. 
the Spirit of God in us will always, no matter how we're feeling, is always going to cause us to bring the kingdom, to speak the name of Jesus, always. We can never get away from it. And that's a sign in the, in, in the wrestling we go through sometimes, like Jeremiah, that he'll never leave us. He's always there. The disciples were being prepared for the physical absence of Jesus. He had been the one helping them. He taught them the ways of the Father. He taught them how to pray. He taught them about the kingdom, its functioning, and its authority and rule. But now he was leaving, but he was not leaving them alone. He said, I will pray to the Father, and he will send you another helper. The Holy Spirit is the person the Holy Spirit is a person to be known, not just a force of power. He referred to, he is referred to as a he. He is a person. He will show you, he will comfort you, he will guide you, he will be with you. He is a he, he's not a ghost. Jesus said, I will send you another helper in John 14, 16, and I will pray to the Father, he will give you another helper. He will, re he will remain forever, for eternity he will remain with us. In the Amplified it says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comfort, comforter. He'll give you, he's a counselor, he's a helper, he's an intercessor, he's an advocate, he's a strengthener. He is all the things Jesus was to them. So he's preparing them. I can't be with you here physically, but don't worry. The, the one who is made in my image he, who, and who is God, he's going to come. He's going to advocate. And when I was reading this, I thought, Jesus is sitting interceding for us. The Holy Spirit is advocating and interceding for us. So why should we worry about our prayers getting answered, right? What other prayer partner do we really need? See, he's our helper, our intercessor, our advocate, our strengthener, and he will remain with you forever, meaning to the end. What a gift. He is with us forever. We haven't been left to do anything without him. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's always by the spirit of the living God. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another. He'll give you another helper, and he will abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor does it even know him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. He was already with the disciples. He was, he was with them, but until the day of Pentecost, they weren't saturated with him. They weren't living. He wasn't living inside of them. But Jesus gives, says to them, listen, he has been with you. I sent you out. You healed the sick. You proclaimed the gospel. You saw demons flee. He is with you, but now he's got, it's going to be even greater. He's going to be in you. Isn't that amazing? Jesus was saying, I've shown you the Father. I've taught you the kingdom, but now you will have another. He's been with you and upon you, but the day of the promise is coming, and he will be in you. He will counsel you. He will convict you of sin. He will lead you in the right path. He'll reveal the heart of the Father, and through your lives, the kingdom will come upon the earth, not just for the few, but now for the many. So he had his, he had his group that were listening to him, being guided by him, but now the many who we are are included in that passage. It's a reason to shout glory, Dan. Jesus Christ is interceding for us. The Holy Spirit, another helper, is interceding for us, and he empowers us with his strength. How can we not praise him, and how can we not trust in him for all that he promises to do and be within us? The Holy Spirit is all through the word of God, even before Pentecost, where the promise of the dwelling within is outpoured to the multitudes. The Holy Spirit, Micah says this, the prophet Micah says this in, in 3, verse 8, he says, but truly I am full of the power of power by the Spirit of the Lord. Even then, the Holy Spirit was upon people and with people. It wasn't just something that happened on Pentecost. It just became greater for the many, right? In Luke 2.25, I want to talk a little bit about how the Holy Spirit reveals the glory of Messiah. 
because really for the Holy Spirit, it's all about it's all about shining the light of Jesus Christ. It's all about leading people to the kingdom through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit reveals the Messiah and confirms to and confirms to do so for us today. He will open the eyes of the blind and those who have not have any understanding. He's the illuminator. He's the revealer. So in Luke 2:25, Jesus and Mary are bringing um, Joseph and Mary are bringing Jesus to the temple for the dedication, to dedicate the firstborn son to the Lord. It wasn't his circumcision. It was a different ceremony. I think it's like 30 or 40 days later. I, I don't know. But he's a baby. He's young. I'm just going to read through this first. Um, starting with 25, it says, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit first was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him from his arms and he blessed God and said, um, I wanted you to put that picture up. Um, I'll read through this and then put that picture up. Okay, verse 29. Now, Lord, you are letting your bondservant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes has, have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all the people, a light, for the re a light for revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother Mary, and, and his mother, and Joseph and his, and his wife marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Now, Simeon, you can put the picture up. I just want to, this picture is a picture of Simeon. It's a Rembrandt, which I didn't realize. I just always loved it because this is a, a demonstration of the light and the power and the joy that Simeon received when he saw the Christ child. It's really an amazing story when you pull it apart and look at it. Here he was, a devout man. Doesn't say he was a prophet or anything else. He just happened to walk into the temple that day. But nothing happens, just happens when we are full of the Spirit, right? The Spirit of God was on him. So Simeon was beyond, um, Simeon saw beyond an innocent baby because of the illumination of the Holy Spirit. It says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him at some point in his life that he would not pass away before he saw the Messiah. And he believed that promise, and he received that promise. The Holy Spirit brought him to the temple that day. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, he took him out of their arms and blessed God. That's the part that really grabbed me, because he's in the church. Mary and Joseph walk in, and he just grabs the baby. Right? He grabs the baby. Today we would call 911, but he was seeing something because he was being revealed. He was illuminating by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And we too today have the power of the Holy Spirit. We can see beyond a, a young child. We can see be, beyond a poor couple who couldn't even provide the right sacrifice when they walked in there. He saw the Christ. He saw the Messiah. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to see always. Not just for the lost, of course, but for those who are believers in Jesus Christ. He wants us to see beyond every circumstance, and he wants us to see Messiah in everything we do. So here was, here was he was quite bold, really. So, so I wrote here, I wonder what Mary and Joseph 
thought when they stepped into the temple and Simeon swooped him out of their, their hands and held him in his own arms. He was overcome with the promise of God and nothing else at that point mattered. And that's why I love this picture. Nothing else mattered. He just grabbed the Christ child. He holds him close to himself and then he prophesies. His heart is ignited with love and faith because the Holy Spirit was revealing that this infant he was clinging to was Almighty God. He was the great I am. This is the one promise. This is the Christ. He was filled with joy and he was filled with faith. Full of praise, full of hope. This is the result of the Holy Spirit upon him and upon us. Praise and worship flow from our, our mouths. And that is what the Holy, and the Holy Spirit himself was rejoicing at that moment. We need to see that the God we serve has a personality. There's things he loves, so there's things he doesn't. But right at this moment, he was loving. He was rejoicing. He was just as excited as Simeon. I've read this, you know, this passage many times, but for some reason, I just thought he was a priest in the temple. That's how I read it. I just thought he was a priest, he was a prophet, but he wasn't. It just says he was a devout man. They might not have even known him. He just happened to be in the temple, and he was in there first. I heard somebody say what they liked about this, about Simeon, is he went there for Christ. As soon as Jesus walked into the, into the temple, being held by his parents, he grabbed him. That's what he came for. And, and he, he said, he goes, we, when we come to church, we should just be there for Jesus. We should grab him, bring him close to us, and say, nothing else matters. I want to know your name. I want to be filled with your power. I want to be filled with faith. I want to be filled with the declarations like he was, because it doesn't say he was a prophet, but he began to prophesy. And prophecy really is not what we think. Prophecy is declaring the name and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's true prophecy. Pure prophecy is declaring who Jesus Christ is. Isn't that powerful? So this was his experience, and I I believe it's penned in the word of God for us to know that we too need the Christ. We need the Christ child. We need the lion and the lamb of Judah. So it doesn't say again that uh, Simeon was a prophet or a priest, but he was a devout man, a man who was devout to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so the Holy Spirit rested on him and gave him the ability to see beyond an infant and the common everyday dedications that went on in the temple. Simeon was singing of the goodness of God. That's what he was doing right there in that picture. Each one of us has had the Holy Spirit lead us to Christ. Seeing for the first time our need for a Savior, we grabbed hold of, we grabbed hold of Simeon, grabbed hold of him. We grab him from the arms of Mary, we could say, and we should always be thankful for such a great gift, such a great gift that we have in Jesus Christ. And yet he says, but I'm not going to leave you alone. There's more. There's more. So he said, Lord, now, this is what he, he, his promise was fulfilled. He said, Lord, now you are letting your bondservant depart in peace. Aren't we his bondservants? We're not priests in the temple. We're not prophets, right? We might not be in the fivefold ministry in the ways that we might think, but we are his bondservants, and the Lord loves to speak to his bondservants. He loves to come to his faithful. He loves to, to come to those who are expecting him. He says, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. That is so powerful. He didn't have to see him on the cross. My eyes have seen your salvation. He was, he was seeing the workings of the Almighty. When we see through the revelatory eyes of the Holy Spirit, we are seeing the works of the Almighty. 
when a circumstance comes before us and we think it's all fallen apart and chaotic, the Lord lets us see he's working in it. He lets us see the end from the beginning. He lets us see just be peaceful, just be calm, just, be, just wait, because I'm going to do something great out of this. That's how we see with the eyes of the Spirit. It doesn't matter what it looks like now. What matters is what he has promised us. He promises to take everything that was meant for the evil and bring it for his good. But we have to let him do it. When the Holy Spirit is upon us and in us, we will see the workings of the Almighty. We too, by his Spirit, can see beyond every day life and into his glorious promises. You might see somebody that everybody else rejects, but the Lord's putting on your, on your heart, I have something for that boy. I have something for that girl. I don't care. Don't listen to the mouth on her. Don't listen to, don't listen to the, the corruptness of him. You see differently when everybody else is saying, give him up. Why do you talk to him? What are you doing? The Lord is showing you. He's showing you the kingdom of God in that person. We have to be sensitive to that. So he saw the deliverer before he died. And that revelation caused him to praise the Father and rejoice in the revelation brought to him that day by the person of the Holy Spirit. He manifested himself to Simeon, and he wants to manifest himself to us so that our mouths will be full of praise, full of life, not empty words, but words that declare, I have seen the Lord and I have seen the promise. Simeon had the Spirit resting on him that day. We have him living within us. Paul says, don't be filled with wine or the things of the world, but be filled with the Spirit. He will connect us for divine encounters, just as he did for Simeon, a devout man. Nobody special in the streets of Jerusalem, but known and favored by God, a devout man. How precious that is to be a devout man or woman of God. And how many more will say, I can pass in peace, for I have seen your salvation. That's what we say when people come to the altar and they finally see him for who he is, and the Holy Spirit enlightens their eyes. Really, they're saying like Simeon, now, now I can say I have received your salvation, so I can pass from this world in peace, because I have eternal life. Holy Spirit, we pray that you open our eyes and reveal the workings of the Almighty God. The Holy Spirit magnifies the name of Jesus. He reveals his purposes, his kingdom. He is the one who enlightens the word. The word and the spirit, I just bit my tongue. The word and the spirit are the source of power that cannot be defeated. Moses, remember, he had the commandments, but he also had the glory of God. He had the spirit and he had the word. Many times, church life gets weird because there's too much spirit, right, and too much word. We need to have both. It's the Spirit of God that will enlighten the Word. The Word gives us a foundation. It, gives us, it settles us into truth where we don't teach false doctrines and, and all those kinds of things. His glory upon us. His glory was upon him. So the Holy Spirit reveals the plan and the will of the Father. He reveals salvation and he reveals the will of the Father. The truth of the Word revealed by the Holy Spirit. Um, now, remember the disciples on the road to Emmaus. I want to talk about them just for a few seconds here. You can take Simeon down if you want. <laughs> um, they were on the road to Emmaus. Jesus approaches them and walks with them. He reveals the scripture beginning with Moses and the prophets. He expounded to them all the things in concerning himself, but they didn't recognize him. As they reported the experiences that they had experience. As they reported the experience later, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? Did not our hearts burn within us? Don't you love that? 
Here they are walking with the Christ. They don't recognize him as the risen Christ. And they're downhearted. They're discouraged. He's speaking to them. He's talking to them. They're not receiving really anything he's saying. They think he doesn't know anything, but their hearts were burning. That's the Holy Spirit. That's how the Holy Spirit touches us. That's how he stirs us. That's how he speaks to us. Did not our hearts burn within us? That burning heart, as you read the words, as you read in the word, is the work of the Spirit of God taking the word and making it alive and vital, causing hopeless hearts to come alive, turning them back to Jerusalem so they would not miss the day of Pentecost. In the fulfillment of Christ's promise that I will send another helper to you. So in Luke 24, I'm not going to read all of it, but it says Jesus approaches them and he begins to travel with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. In the NLT in verse 17, he says, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Don't you love it how he is? What are you guys talking about? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the things that have happened here in these last days, in these last few days. They're telling that the, the Lord that he must not know what's going on, but we can be like that, right? I wrote, isn't it funny that here they think the one speaking to them doesn't know the magnitude of what had just happened, but it was their inability to see the power of the cross from the one who just endured the cross. And he is so faithful to us to keep speaking to us and to keep stirring our hearts. And he will never, ever, ever stop. Sorry. So Jesus says, what things? And they lay out from 20 to 24. We won't read it. All, the, all that had happened that day in Jerusalem. And then in verse 25, it says, Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. He expounds the scriptures. It's the Holy Spirit that was in him and around him. He was full of the Spirit of God, the one that burned in their hearts. Now he enlightens us to the Word of God. How many times have you had people say, well, I don't read the Bible, I don't understand it? It's because you don't have the Holy Spirit, right? Keep reading it. You know, give your heart to the Lord. You know, just keep reading it. It might be here now, but the Holy Spirit will enlighten us. Even when things are clearly predicted we can be a people who forget because of the mountain before us the sudden change of circumstances the holy spirit reminds us of the truth and gives us renewed hope and faith so what happens is something suddenly happens we forget all the promises we forget what he said right and jesus clearly would tell them but they didn't get it they didn't get it they didn't get it and then they finally got it in verse 28 it says by this time they were nearing emmaus and they <clears throat> and at the end of their journey. And Jesus acted as if he, were gonna, he was going to go on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. The desire they had for Jesus, whom they didn't even yet recognize. They did not recognize him, but they're begging him to stay. Right? Who does that? There's a stranger on the road. We're, I'm, we're begging you, please stay. They didn't recognize the work of the Holy Spirit. He stirs our hearts to know him, to follow him, to listen to him. He truly is our helper, our advocate, our counselor, our strength. And his desire is for us to know the power of the risen Christ. So in verse 30, it says, And they sat down to eat. He took the bread and blessed it. 
He broke it and gave it to them, and suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and at that moment he disappeared. Talk about the power of the communion table. I mean, that is the communion table right there. Their eyes were open. Sometimes when I take communion, I just think, Lord, open my eyes. You did it for them. Whatever I can't see, let me see. So they said to each other again, here it is, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He takes what we don't understand, he enlightens it, and he sends us back on track, the Father's will. Get back to Jerusalem because you're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, 30, 50 days from now. So he brings, he brings him back. That burning of heart as you read it in the word is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Taking the word and making it alive and vital. Causing hopeless hearts to come alive. Turning us back from the road of discouragement to the road of the promise. Things, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says, Things which eyes have not seen and ears have not heard and which have not entered the, the human heart. All that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Jesus said he will reveal them to us. The Holy Spirit who lives in us, the helper, he searches the depths of God. And you can ask him, what are those depths? What are those deep things? Show us. Show me. Where, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? We can cry out for him, to him, and he will answer us. So pre-Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was on various men and women of God, and he brought the Father's, he brought the Father's will and purpose through them. He's, he was working then, and he's working now. Um, Jesus said to John, he, Jesus said in John 14, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. In 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, he says to Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. I like that version because it says fan it into flame. Don't just talk about it. You need to fan the gift of the Spirit within you. Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift within him, recognize him, use the gifts that he has imparted to you, fan the flame. We can fan the flame through our words. Paul said do not use unwholesome words. Don't let them come out of your mouth, but rather be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with praise and worship, declaring that Jesus Christ is the Lord, and that will fan the flame of your heart. That's what stirs it up. You ever feel like that? You're, you know, you're kind of like in a, having a uh, kind of mediocre day, and then you get together with a believer, and then you start sharing, and you start talking, and all of a sudden you can feel the flame, you can feel the bonfire, you can feel that it starts to, it starts to happen. So the Holy Spirit is always reminding us about the testimony of Jesus Christ. He doesn't point us to an establishment or the gifting of man. He points us and he directs us to Jesus Christ. In Revelation 19.10, it says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the heart of prophecy. The prophetic is testifying of who Christ is. Just as the Holy Spirit points people to him, we, his people, should be doing the same. Pure prophetic is to direct the people back to the Father through Jesus Christ. His life in us will cause us to praise him, will cause us to declare the name of Jesus, and as we do, the Holy Spirit will reveal his power and open the hearts of those who hear the testimony. The Spirit of God goes where we can't go. We talked about a few weeks ago in Bible study where the Bible says, let there be light, right? Let there be light. And then he says to us that we can speak. Let there be light. Let the light of his countenance be on my lost child. Let the light of, your, of, my, of his countenance be upon this, these two who are arguing. Whatever it is, we're asking the Lord that the light of his countenance, which is his Holy Spirit, to go and do what we can't do. And he's anxious to do it. He wants to do it. We, we wait a day or two and we think nothing's happening. Something is happening. 
We have to change the way we think, change our, the words that come out of our mouth and profess, Lord, you are doing it. You said you'd never fail me. You said you'd never leave me. You said if I speak it, you would do it. You said if I cry out to you here, you promised. You hear and you see. That's the kind of people he's looking for. His, his life in us will cause us to praise him, will cause us to declare his name. And as we do, the Holy Spirit will reveal his power. He is our helper. He is our counselor, the comforter, the convictor, the revealer. He is the power within us. He walks beside us and is within us. He will never leave us. We, we can grieve him. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians, be careful how you walk. Be careful with your life, but be filled with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is represented as a dove. He's represented as tongues of fire and a mighty wind. But this is just the manifestation of his presence, symbols of who he is. He is not a dove, he's not a fire, and he's not a rushing mighty wind. Those are just things that come with his presence. That's his power. He is, he is a tangible, he's alive, he is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's a person who contains all power and all glory and all the power and might of the Father, the Son, and he is one of them. He carries the power of Almighty God, the great I am. He walks, he talks, he lives, he breathes. I don't know if he breathes. How do you do that in eternity? I don't know. But we know he's alive. And because he's alive, we're alive. He is a re he's the real deal. We worship him. We come before him. So they sat down to eat, it says. He took the bread and blessed it. He broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. That's power. That's power. Who did that? It was the Holy Spirit that opened their eyes. You have somebody you're praying for for a long time, and you think, oh, they'll never see, they're never going to see. Stop saying that. Just say they will see. The Spirit of God will enlighten. They, he will enlighten their darkness as he enlightened my darkness. He enlightened your darkness. He'll enlighten their, their darkness. Don't judge what you've already had happen to you. So Simeon was drawn. He opened their eyes, and he's the one who illuminates the darkness and causes men to see and to hear his voice and to follow after Jesus. Simeon was drawn to the temple, and then the Messiah was revealed to him, and he said, Now, Lord, you are letting your bondservant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And we know those who we pray for and those who we're lifting up, we will hear them say, My eyes have seen your salvation. Now I understand. Now I see who you are. The Holy Spirit brought him to the throne of grace. And how many times us in this room, every single one of us who is saved, we have a testimony. And sometimes we forget where we came from. We forget that we were, we were lost and then we were found. Or we forget um, how dark our, our lives were. But I, for myself, I try not to ever forget because I know if I do, then I will grow comfortable with the, with the blessings of God and stop being thankful to God. So the Holy Spirit, though, at, in those days and in that time, he was, he was calling out to us. He was showing us things, but we don't always recognize it. It takes some time. I remember once walking into, um, on a, I saw in the bathroom, on a bathroom wall, scripture. It says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Well, it pierced my heart. I wasn't ready to come back to the Lord. I wasn't ready to do what he wanted me to do. I was young, very young. And I remember the scripture on the wall still. I remember, you know, you know where I was, and there was that scripture. All this writing all over the wall, all this graffiti, and my eyes zoned in on Today, if you hear his voice, that's the part that got me. Today, if you hear his voice, if we hear his voice, we want to run to him. We don't want to wait. We want to run to him. But that's the Holy Spirit in a dirty bathroom writing to me to run back to him. Is that crazy? He is so for us and with us, he'll never leave us. Some of us have heard his voice and you've come back. Whatever it is, recognize that the Holy Spirit has been strong in your life. So how many here 
have had issues that you couldn't get free of, addictions, poverty, character issues, your life felt worthless, or it was just lying dormant. You felt hopeless, and the enemy's gates were all around you, and the doors of your prison just wouldn't open day after day after day, you know? Maybe you're not one of them, but maybe you know somebody who is one of them. Day after day, you see the same thing. But then all of a sudden, you hear someone. You hear something. And maybe it's a voice on the radio. Maybe it's a message. Maybe it's somebody's testimony. How many times, sometimes I'll talk about uh, the Lord, and I'll, somebody will say, you know, they're not a believer, but they'll say something like, wow, that just gave me chills. That one moment was the Spirit of God on them. That one moment, and then he takes care of the rest. I didn't go in and dive them and say, come to church, let's, you know. But that moment, you could see the Spirit of God was working on their life. That's who he is. We have moments where we see the working of the Almighty. You hear something, maybe a voice, maybe a testimony, maybe a scripture written on a bathroom wall. And your heart was pierced, pierced. That is the Holy Spirit rescuing you. That was the power and love coming into your prison, revealing and illuminating the words of Jesus Christ, just like the Lord said he would. Like the disciples on their way out of town, hopeless and in despair, Jesus was in their company, but they could not recognize him. And many times we just don't recognize him. He broke bread with them and he blessed them. They had to come to his table and they ate with him. And at that table, the communion table, the new covenant was established. Their eyes were opened and they said, wasn't our hearts burning within us when he spoke the scriptures? Sometimes somebody will be speaking the scriptures and your heart is just burning. And you think, what is that, right? It's the spirit of the living God saying, I'm speaking to you. I'm touching you. I'm rescuing you. I'm rebuilding your faith. I'm helping you. I'm all around you, and I'm going to help you. And we can never grow dull to that. Like the disciples on their way out of town, Jesus was in their company, but they could not recognize him. He broke bread, and their eyes were open. And they said, wasn't our heart burning? The Holy Spirit ignited them, and they immediately got back on the road to Jerusalem. And I believe that's what happens. The Lord touches you in a way where all of a sudden you're back on track. You might be a little shaky. You might be a little wobbly. But you're back on track. You're focused. You say, as for me, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The Holy Spirit is not going to waste his, his gifts and have me walk back. The enemy cannot hold us back. The Holy Spirit reveals. He illuminates. He shines through the darkness. And we walk in the light as he is in the light. We speak, let there be light. And the Holy Spirit is on it. He fills us with strength and boldness. He gives us faith and favor. He turns our lives around. We need the Holy Spirit, and we should be more mindful of his presence and his authority in us and over us. I pray that our ears are open and our eyes can see the magnitude of this great gift within us. Let there be light. We pray that there's light in this house and everybody's family. We pray that the light of God would illuminate the darkness that we don't even know we have sometimes. An opinion can be darkness. We can't see past what God's going to do because we have a strong picture of how it should be done, right? But the Lord wants to empty all those things. He wants to remove those things so that the light of his countenance can come upon us. Our eyes will be open and we will see Jesus standing there. Be filled with the Spirit, singing praises with thankful hearts, and presence. And the presence of God will manifest himself. In Psalm 22, 3, it says, He is holy, and he inhabits the praises of his people. So when our mouths are praising him and thanking him on a Sunday morning or in your own home, and you're praising God and you're worshiping him, he inhabits those praises. He's right there with you. Speaking the name of Jesus above, above all names, 
that holds power and authority. The Holy Spirit testifies of Christ. We speak his name and darkness flees. The, you know, in the book of uh, uh, Zechariah, I think it is, I wrote it down. I'm going to end with this verse. In the book of Zechariah, it says, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Zerubbabel was building the temple. He had a job to rebuild the temple. He had started and stopped not to get to all that, but he was having a difficult time. But we, too, are called to build a temple. We're called to build our temples being built, and we're called to tell others about Jesus Christ and this great salvation that we have. So us, all of us here, the sound of my voice, if you're a believer, he wants us to speak the name to the lost, to the broken. That's our call, right? But he wants us to know it's not a hard call. It's not hard to do because it's not by my might. It's not by my power, and it's not by yours, but it's by this great Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. We speak the word, and he'll do the work. He, we just have to testify. It's so easy. We just testify. We all have a testimony. Paul said the same testimony over and over again. You know, people fell asleep and fell out of the windows because I heard it before, right? We have a testimony. Speak it over and over again. If he spoke to you, then speak it to somebody that he spoke to you. Whatever he's done, declare it to somebody. It'll help them to get free. So like Zerubbabel, we have a job. We have a similar task. But the building is his temple in the hearts of men. We should be reminded it's only by his spirit, not by any other strength or power or human reasoning, he gave us his promise. We will see the glory of God in these earthen vessels when we speak the name of Jesus. And he says to Zerubbabel, he said, this is the word of the Lord, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain before, before Zerubbabel, <laughs> that you should become a plain? And he says, you speak to it, grace, grace. He had a task in front of him that was ama amazingly, abundantly enormous for him. And he it was overwhelming. And God is saying, that's nothing for me. That is nothing for me. You just keep on task and keep doing what you're doing. And then he says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to him saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple and his hands will also finish it. Isn't that a great promise? So whatever he's given you to do, you will finish it by his might and his great power and his spirit, not your own.